we need to start thinking now, not in 2026, but now about how we're going to fund a strong, robust federal role in infrastructure after the year 2026. You're listening to No Time for Delays. Okay, so we've got Jeff Davis of the Eno Center on the line. Jeff, we've talked in the past, but just so we have it, tell me about your background in transportation and how you built your career and the niche you did. I came to Washington, D.C. as a freshman in college at American University. I started interning on Capitol Hill as a sophomore, and that quickly turned into a full-time job. And just coincidentally, I carpooled to work every day on the Hill for five years with people I'd gone to college with who worked for a different congressman who wound up being the chairman of the Transportation Committee. And then my boss died, and I went to to work with them for a while and got to know everyone in the transportation business and then uh, just sort of got into uh, research and writing and studying the transportation budget kind of by accident. That sounds cool. I went to AU also. <laughs> Let's get to what we have going on now. Uh, Congress is working on its 2024 budget. And can you tell me what's going on with the IIJA money and transportation funding in general? Well, you, you got to divide it into two things. There, there's money provided by the IIJA, and there was money uh, for the money recommended by the IIJA. Basically, uh, last year, the, the, the Department of Transportation budget got uh, 80% of its funding was from the IIJA provided directly in multi-year money and provided over five years. The, the, the 2023 installment was 80% of DOT funding. And the regular annual appropriations in the spending bills were only 20%. So all we're fighting about this year is that 20%. The rest of it's not going to change. Um, but House Republicans, for various reasons, got themselves into a situation where they cut the uh, aggregate total for non-defense spending of all the annual appropriations bills significantly and they gave an extremely low ceiling to the bill that funds transportation department and housing and urban development. And in order to meet that low total, they cut $7 billion out of major grant programs like Amtrak, uh, Mass Transit New Starts, those multimodal raise grants, airport grants, a couple of things. Uh, but in each instance, these cuts, the $7 billion, we were in programs that collectively were getting, I believe, $26 billion also from the IIJA, which is not touched. So it's either a 70% cut or a 20% cut, depending if you're looking at the IIJA money together with it or not. Uh, but regardless, it was going to these $7 billion in cuts were causing a great deal of grief, and the Senate has restored that money through uh, some of their through having a better overall ceiling and through some gimmickry of their own. Well, let me ask you. So those cuts, I mean, if they were actually going to go through, would be pretty severe for rail and transit. Um, I mean, what kind of effect would that have on on the program for rail and transit interests? For Amtrak, it would really put a huge debt. The the amount of money they would give Amtrak is just enough for the operating subsidies, not much for any uh, capital improvements. Uh, to the network. And the problem is that um, the IIJ money they're also getting was specifically dedicated to things like uh, replacing new cars. I mean, there were long, long uh, 
long-awaited and, and pent-up things like that, like replacing their AM fleet, um, not regular capital maintenance, which would be gutted under the House Republican bill. Uh, similarly, uh, it's, the effects wouldn't be as noticeable immediately in the mass transit budget because that account, the IJ has allowed all of the major ongoing projects to get paid off this year, and the administration wants to sign a bunch of new agreements for new projects this year that would put the government on the hook for about $15 billion over the next decade, uh, including the Hudson River Tunnel, 2nd Avenue Subway in New York City, uh, the BART extension to Silicon Valley in San Francisco, whatever. And under the House bill, there would not be enough money to sign those agreements and get started on several of those projects this year. So that is where there's a clear difference between the House bill and the Senate bill. Okay. Uh, can you give me the gist of what the politics here are? Because on the one hand, we see some House Republicans taking credit for projects that are coming to their district because of the IIJA, um, but now they're voting to cut money for you know from transportation. I mean, w what is the politics uh, that that's going on here? There's no rhyme or reason to it. Again, they they're not actually cutting any of the money that's provided by the IIJA, which is notable in and of itself. We were afraid that they were going to either repeal some of that IIJ money or else repurpose it from one account to another or something like that. They didn't do any of that. They don't touch any money that was actually provided by the IIJA. But uh, they're just not putting up any money in addition to the IIJA for some of these uh, projects. But the, the politics of the IIJA were always strange because after it passed the, House, the Senate by that huge bipartisan vote, uh, Speaker Pelosi put it on ice for about two months, trying to make sure that Demo to tie it to a different and unrelated bill that was much more partisan. And because of that, if she had brought the IIJ up for a vote two days after the Senate passed it, it would have probably gotten about 100 uh, Republican votes. But because she left it out there and left it out for two months for, for former President Trump to rail against and for people to find things wrong with it and for uh, the strategy that she had for trying to link it to the uh, environmental policy bill were becoming relevant, then by the time it, it actually got a vote uh, in November, uh, it, it only got about a dozen Republican votes, I think, instead of the hundred or so it could have gotten had she put it on the floor quickly. So uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of people who, who internally kind of regret not voting for it and would have liked to have voted for it before it got the tied with the other bill. So you've been at the Eno Center for a long time. Was transportation funding always such a policy football between Democrats and Republicans? No. Uh, the big surface transportation bill in 2005 uh, got around 400 votes out of 435 in the House and about, you know, 90-some senators. So the, the, it, it, you usually get – those bills traditionally got close to 90 percent of the of – the, of the, votes in both chambers in the 1998, the 1991, 1998, and uh, 2005 iterations. But uh, the, the problem has been that ever since the uh, interstate system was completed, there hasn't been as much holding the program together. The old map of the interstate system that was divided in 1947, and it took until 1956 to find a way to fund it, and then it wasn't completed until the 1990s, uh, any American could look at that map and realize, you know, that no, no way can Montana afford to have a divided four land going across the length of that state by itself. But if you don't have it, you can't get from Minnesota to the West Coast. 
So similarly, there, there was that map showed everybody that that some states need to pay more than others, and there's some cross subsidization necessary to have a national network. But once we got the interstate system built, there's nothing else out there that really uh, shows why some states need to subsidize others in transportation. And so the the politics of that kind of fell apart, and the uh, the demand for the entire system became much more localized and the sense of a uh, of national urgency on the issue kind of diminished. I mean, do you think we're going to get back to any sort of kumbaya uh, over uh, over infrastructure funding? I mean, do you foresee that ever coming up in in the future? Well, we just uh, passed an aviation bill yesterday in the House by the biggest bipartisan vote of anything this year. Uh, about thirty, I think, believe thirty one Republicans and thirty eight Democrats voted no. And the you know so but eighty eighty some percent of each conference voted yes so uh, and it, it was anyway, it was the the far right Republicans voted no and the farthest left Democrats voted no and everyone in the center and moderate left moderate right uh, voted for it so that's the way, the way things used to work uh, and building because that bill was built from the ground up by the chairman the Republican chairman and Democratic ranking member and each of them and their subcommittee chairman and ranking members had a veto over everything else. So as long as you have developed bills with that four-way unanimity, uh, you can you can build a bill from the center out that can that can pass like that. But they they couldn't do that in the House uh, in 2020 and 2021 because they they couldn't ever get four-way unanimity on climate change elements of the surface transportation bill, and that's why the House had nothing to do with the IAJ. It was an entirely a Senate construct, and the House needed to change one word of it when it when it came over because they couldn't get democrats and republican unanimity in committee on the climate change title oh that's interesting uh now to the subject of long-term funding for transportation and i always see you tweeting about that um what do you see happening here and how long can lawmakers ignore the need for a sustainable and robust revenue source for for transportation funding uh, the latest forecast from the Congressional Budget Office that we've got until 2028. Um, the IIJA funding expires in September 2026, and after that, the uh, $36 billion a year of extra money that DOT is getting from that bill will expire. And then they'll still be left with the funding out of trust funds, but then the highway trust fund is going to go broke a year and a half after that at current spending rates. And when that happens, they've either got to find another bailout from the general fund. Those bailouts keep getting bigger and the hole keeps getting deeper. That doesn't sound good, even though we had such great optimism, uh, you know, after the bill was passed in 2021. Oh, the bill is um, going to build a lot. And the, the in terms of we get quarterly updates on how many contracts and whatever are, are, are being signed for actual construction projects built by this. And the, the money's flowing out there, and the, the, the benefits will be seen. The IIJA is going to provide us with a historic level of infrastructure spending once it's fully implemented, the most, even in inflation-adjusted terms, spent since World War II, even more in total than we spent building the interstates at the time. But there's no plan for maintaining that level of funding after this money runs out in 2027. So we need to start thinking now, not in 2026, but now about how we're going to fund a strong, robust federal role in infrastructure after the year 2026. And we could maybe increase user taxes if the users are willing. If for some reason, 
people are much more willing to have their user taxes increased to pay for local or state transportation plans. There's much less trust at the federal level. How do we go about rebuilding that trust? Should we continue to tax by the gallon even as we electrify the vehicle fleet? Or we have to switch over to a vehicle miles traveled system. That's another issue, but that won't save us by itself. You've got to have people willing to pay whatever the, you know, the, the total aggregate amount being raised uh, to, to fund this system and rebuild the trust between the taxpayers and the federal government trying to spend that money wisely. The interstate map of 1956 sort of convinced everyone to hang together. Uh, what's the next 21st century equivalent of that instrument to demonstrate to taxpayers across the country what they're getting for their tax dollar? That's going to be the key to reauthorizing the IAJ and maintaining this level of funding. All right, man. Well, stay on the case, and um, uh, we're going to obviously link to uh, the Eno Center for this story. Um, but I, I really appreciate your help. Uh, no problem. To learn more, visit notimefordelays.com.